Welcome back into Sports Talk. Steve Geller along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, Also, Charlie Long hanging out with you till 8 o'clock. Now joining us, Jake Madison from the Locked On Pelicans podcast. How you doing today, Jake? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Always appreciate your time. Uh, Pelicans going 3-2 and two on their last road stand. Uh, tough one in Dallas the other night, obviously. Uh, you would have liked to have seen this team be able to take two from this Mavs squad. Yeah, you know, it was nice that they got the win underhanded and really showed up to play and kind of took it to the Mavericks in that first game. But in the second game, to get all of your guys back, to get Trey Murphy, uh, CJ McCollum, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and still not get the win, it's kind of one of those things that raises an eyebrow a little bit, I think. I think this is a very talented Pelicans team. You know, January has been the tough stretch of their schedule, and they've certainly answered that call. I've been a winning record, and even going 3-2 and two on that five-game road trip is very good. But when you see the star players and Brandon Ingram struggling and not scoring as well as he normally does over the past nine games or so, makes you wonder if this is a true championship contender or not. You know, we can talk about the depth that they have, and certainly they have a lot with that, getting that road win in the first game against the Dallas Mavericks. But your star players are who's going to take you to a title, and they need to step up and be a little bit more consistent than they've been so far. It could be the Pelicans still just kind of figuring some things out, and ultimately they're winning games, and that's the most important thing. But if this team wants to be a force in the playoffs, it's going to be on the backs of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. So you need to make sure that they're ready to show up. And right now, at least in that game, you didn't truly see it. You know, uh, Jake, uh, it seems like uh, when you break down games and, uh, to me, uh, second chance points, what do you mean by that? Rebounding. Okay, uh, that, uh, boy, can you get the rebound? And then you had the free throw line. I mean, you can't, uh, what, uh, 31 or 41 and then Zion missed uh, five free throws, including one with 18 seconds remaining yeah. that could have tied the game. So something as simple as that. I mean, second chance points, just rebounding the basketball and then making your free throws could be the difference whether you win or lose. You know, it can be. You know, rebounding has been a topic, I think, all season long with this team. And I think at times they've shown they're a very good defensive rebounding team. When you look at the numbers, they're actually a top 10 defensive rebounding team all season okay. long. But that definitely rears its ugly head at very inopportune times, right? Derek Lively had more offensive rebounds than the entire Pelicans team did. The, he's the starting center for the Dallas Mavericks and a rookie nonetheless, right? That seems like something that the Pelicans should have been maybe a little bit more prepared for or made adjustments as the game went on. And he was big in the fourth quarter as Dallas came back to win that game and kind of get a little bit of a cushion at the end of it. You know, they weren't team rebounding. It was really just Jonas Valanciunas fighting on the defensive glass by himself, and there's only so much that he can do there. So they need to really have committed more like resources to that, have guys also go after boards, have smaller guys try and box out bigger guys so that Jonas can get the rebound or what have you. And that was just a lack of an adjustment, I think, on the coaching staff's part. That's been a bit of a problem all season long for this team, I think. You know, the coaching staff maybe being a little bit late with certain adjustments. It happened in that big-time loss to the Denver Nuggets, I thought, where they kept trying to play small ball and that wasn't working and maybe you needed to make adjustments sooner. You know, I, you hope that, You'll see some growth 
some more growth because you've seen some from the coaching staff as the season goes on. But that's certainly an area where they need to be a little bit better about. But also when you're looking towards the trade deadline, right? Are they looking to upgrade the center position? If you get an incredible rebounder, then maybe you don't need to do that sort of thing. I will say Jonas Valanciunas is a very good defensive rebounder. He's one of the better ones in the league. So it leaves the Pelicans with a couple of questions about what to do at the trade deadline, I think, around all of that. And then you mentioned the free throws, right? This has been a problem for a couple of years for the Pelicans here. Certainly, Zion Williamson is a big man. You don't expect him to hit some of the free throws that you would like. But C.J. McCollum is shooting a career low from the free throw line for his time here in New Orleans compared to his time in Portland, right? We've seen Brandon Ingram miss big-time free throws as well. That, I think, is something they really need to put a focus on because, look, if you had a couple more of those, you win that game where it's an entirely different look for you at the end, and that could make the difference between winning or losing late in the games or late in the postseason, too, and you definitely don't want to see that. Now, uh, you know, Jake, what is your take? You know, you travel, you play in the Nuggets, then all of a sudden uh, there's not enough hours in the day, then you play in the Mavericks, the very first game. Uh, and then when I, when I read this, it's like uh, four of the five leading scorers, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, uh, C.J. McCollum, Trey Murphy, they weren't available. And then you look at Hawkins. And what he was able to do, he had knocked down what, uh, six three-pointers in the first game against the Mavericks. And uh, the question I have for you, how do you figure out his playing time? Uh, because uh, to me, uh, I, I don't know, uh, the, uh, how do you manage those minutes? Uh, I, I think the coaching staff at Appels are they're trying to figure out how we're going to do that. Because to me, Hawkins has not been overwhelmed and doesn't look like uh, no rookie. Uh, and when you look at what we draft them, like 14th in the first round, uh, he's been unbelievable to me with how he's contributed for the Pels. Yeah, look, they need to find more minutes for him. It's really as simple as that. You know, when you look at your star players in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, something they both need to work just more effectively is more shooting around them. And in that starting lineup, it's really C.J. McCollum, and that's it. You know, you have Trey Murphy off the bench. That's your other shooter. And then after that, it's got to be Jordan Hawkins. They need those him out there on the court to provide spacing for Zion and Brandon Ingram and let those guys just work more effectively. When you looked at the New Orleans Pelicans trying to come back against the Denver Nuggets, they were down by as many as 22, and then you saw Zion just going to work in the fourth quarter, it was because there were shooters around him. The court was just spaced better. His life was easier, and you look at the lineups with him playing with shooters versus playing with non-shooters, and it's kind of night and day in their efficiency in the NBA. So they need to find minutes for him, You know, even if it means you're taking minutes minutes away from an energy guy like Najee Marshall off the bench. I know head coach Willie Green really values that his toughness from Najee Marshall, the defense that he brings, but it's about maximizing your star players and they need to have Jordan Hawkins to do it. It's why he was drafted 14th overall. It's why when he was drafted, I called him the best fit in the draft of the first round because this was a guy that was going to come in, be able to just move around on the perimeter, find ways to get open, get the ball, and then shoot an open three-pointer, which he gets a ton of when you play with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. So they need to find ways to run out more uh, lineups that have more shooting in there. You'd like to see C.J. McCollum, Trey Murphy, and Hawkins all out on the court at the same time with Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram. I think that's the type of lineup that has potential to be one of the best offensive combinations in the league. So I think as the season goes on, you'll see Hawkins get more minutes because he doesn't seem to shy away from the moment. He doesn't seem overwhelmed as a rookie. And the other things that he does are contributing across the board. 
you know, he's a decent yeah. rebounder, I think, right? The ball moves, too. It's not just like it hits his hands and he's going to shoot. He's a willing passer as well. You've seen him have a couple of games with four or five assists. I think all of those things make him more playable, and so I think you'll see his minutes go up. Now, Jake, I think I probably talked about uh, this uh, in this regard, uh, maybe the last uh, time we had you on, maybe the time before, about how many three-pointers uh, you attempt. Now, uh, look, as a team, the Pelicans um, in the last game against the Mavs converted seven of 23 threes. Uh, they made 11 fewer threes than the Mavericks and attempted uh, 20 fewer looks from beyond the arc. Uh, and I all know about uh, Kyrie Irving and then talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, but what's your take on that about uh, the actual attempts and what occurs? Because when I read that, th- that caught my attention. I think it's less about the exact number of attempts and trying to hit like a, an artificial target, right, or an artificial goal with that. And more, are you scoring efficiently, you know? And with Zion Williamson, if he's scoring at the rim and he's running the majority of your offense, you're just not going to get as many three-point attempts, right? He doesn't shoot threes. You want the ball in his hands. You want to put him in spots where he scores at a very high rate. Right. And that's attacking the basket and scoring at the rim. And if he's doing that, if he's on route to a 30-point game, I don't think the three-point attempts there matter as long as you have shooters out there on the court that keep a defense honest. You know, one thing I notice when Jordan Hawkins is out there, he's in the opponent's scouting report. They put a guy on him because they're worried about him shooting an open three-pointer. When you stick a guy on him, that's one less defender that can sag off and help against Zion Williamson. So even if they're not hitting three-point attempts or shooting many threes, as long as you have shooters out there on the court to keep that defense kind of scared of the potential from it, it means Zion should be able to go for 30 points or so and be able to get to the rim and score. Now, if he's getting walled off at the rim, which you saw the Dallas Mavericks do in that second game here, and he's still kind of just going in there, losing the ball, turning it over, not getting a good look and missing, that's when you need to make adjust your game plan and have your guys shoot more threes. And so I think you look at it as, is Zion scoring well? If he is, keep doing what you're doing. If he's not, you need to shoot more threes, and hopefully they need to start going in so that teams ease the pressure on Zion and you go can go to him later in the game. So it's less about the number of attempts and more kind of the style and, you know, kind of dictating what the defense is doing, I think. Now, uh, Jake, I think it's a big enough sample size uh, right now and and all the years uh, that you've watched the team and followed the Pelicans. When you look in your crystal ball, I'm looking at uh, the Pels, what, 24 and 17. They finish uh, with the road trip, uh, three and two record. They're on pace right now, uh, 48 uh, win pace at the halfway point of their season. And you look at a history, uh, only one team in franchise history, that was the 07-08 New Orleans Hornets, had eclipsed uh, the 50-win mark. So uh, where do you look at right now? And to me, uh, I think 3-2 and two, uh, road trip r- record. I mean, uh, I think we had a great opportunity to be 4-1. and one. But you look, we played Wednesday night against the Charlotte Hornets and what uh, the first or four straight games at home. It seemed like we could put some hay in the barn. Uh, and taking care of home court. And uh, the perception is, are we on pace of 48 wins? Yeah. Uh, Why not 48 or 50 wins this season? 
Yeah, you know, I, th- I think they can legitimately push for that. Whether they're a true title contender or not, I think is a different discussion from it. But in terms of, like, getting wins and being a very good regular season team, I think they've proven already that they can do that, right? When you look at the teams they've beaten in the Western Conference, they've beaten up on teams that they should beat, which I think is the mark of a good team. They're not really playing down to their competition like they have in years past and losing some very winnable games. And they're beating top tier teams, right? They've played Minnesota incredibly well, and I right? think Minnesota is legit one of the better teams in the Western Conference. They've played the Kings incredibly well, right? 4-0 against them this season. They've played well against the Dallas Mavericks, you know, splitting that season series. They've played and beaten the Denver Nuggets, too. They've beaten some of these top teams already, and so I think they can continue to beat up on the teams that you're supposed to beat, get those kind of schedule wins that you have out there. I think that's a guarantee for the Pelicans team, and if you're splitting games against the top teams in the West, you're going to be pushing for 50 wins, I think, so I think it's a very realistic possibility. You know, when you look at kind of their, their regular season ceiling or what maybe the realistic expectations are, I think, you know, the fourth season is attainable for them. I don't know if I put them in the top two in the West. You could argue maybe for the third seed if things go right. But getting home court advantage in the first round is very much on the table right now for this Pelicans team. They've shown growth in the right areas. They're getting healthy. They're staying healthy, which is maybe the most important thing for them. And if they put it all together, you see why they're competing against some of these top teams. You mentioned, uh, Jake, beating the teams that they should be beating tomorrow night. Uh, they got Charlotte. Friday, though, a Phoenix Sun squad I really haven't re- uh, figured out yet. I-, I don't know. What do you think of this matchup against Phoenix upcoming? Because they just seem to be all over the place right now. Yeah, look, I don't think Phoenix has even figured themselves <laughs> out yet, right? Gotcha. That's, that's, that's why they're up and down here. You know, look, they have a lot of talent, a lot of top-end talent there in Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal. The problem is with all of the injuries that they've had, they just really haven't had those guys on the court together nearly as much as they really need to because they are a top-heavy team. There's not a ton of depth there. You know, they, they gave up depth. They gave up draft picks that would have given that to them, you know, in all of the trades for Kevin Durant, for Bradley Beal. So they need their big three playing. If they get all those guys out there and they develop some chemistry, they can be a very good team. But if you don't get that, even going into the postseason healthy doesn't necessarily mean anything. Look at the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, the past feels like 10 years or so, right? There's always been star talent there, but they do the load management thing. Those guys don't develop chemistry on the court and then come the playoffs Yeah, they're on the court and they're healthy, but it looks like a bunch of strangers playing basketball for the first time, and that's not how you're going to win in the postseason. So, you know, the Pelicans getting the Suns right now is they're still figuring things out. I think bodes well for them, and we've seen them, you know, from that playoff series a couple of years ago really develop a little bit of a mini rivalry, I think. Go back to Zion Williamson's 360 dunk right at the end of the game uh, just last season. So if the Pelicans bring the right kind of intensity to this, and you saw some of that intensity in that second game against the Dallas Mavericks. I think they're going to be right on in this one, but look, I'm with you. I still haven't figured the Suns team out yet. I don't think anyone has. If anyone could, they probably should be the head coach of that team right now. Now, uh, Jake, I think I ask you this every year uh, at this point. Who's maybe surprised you in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference? I'm looking at all of a sudden uh, like, uh, and I'm familiar with this because, you know, the play-in tournament uh, Halliburton, you know, the, the oil industry, Halliburton uh, with the Indiana Pacers and then the Orlando Magic. I look in the Eastern Conference, I look at them. I think the Utah Jazz is better than I thought they'd be. They've always been a thorn in the Pell side. But what would be uh, like two Eastern Conference and two Western Conference teams that you say like, whoa, they're doing way better than I thought? 
Yeah, you know, in terms of the East, I actually even think it's the Philadelphia 76ers who, after trading away James Harden, right, have Tyrese Maxey stepped up. He looks like an all-star. Joel Embiid, you could argue, might be the MVP of the league right now. There were some questions of how they'd look post-James Harden, and it seems that was kind of addition by subtraction. And they're one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference when it maybe looked like they'd be taking a step back. The Pacers are absolutely a team. Tyrese Halliburton, with that in-season tournament, has kind of burst onto the national stage is one of the premier scorers, one of the premier lead guards in the NBA right now. And I think that guy is a guy who's going to be the house, uh, household name, you know, for NBA fans very, very soon. In terms of the West, I think there's, you, you can go in any direction. Certainly the Jazz, after their bad start, are somehow competing and winning games, and it's been a little bit of a surprise. And the Pelicans see them coming to town next week, so that'll be a tough test. They're definitely up there. I think the other two teams you could point to are the Minnesota Timberwolves after being a, in rough shape last year after that Rudy Gobert trade you're seeing Anthony Edwards take a leap forward after his experience with Team USA this summer Rudy Gobert is back to being you know a defensive player of the year candidate and their defense looks absolutely like one of the best ones in the league right now the other team that surprises me though is kind of the the uh, Los Angeles Clippers right they've been on a tear since that James Harden trade there were a lot of questions of how he would fit on that roster there's only one ball to go around between him, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. But that whole team is really making it work, and they found the right balance for everything. They're much better than I thought they were going to be. There was talent there, but they've just never put it together, and you've never really been able to trust them. Right now, they look like legit finals contenders. Jake Devley, always appreciate your time. Look forward to the game tomorrow night, and we'll be talking to you more soon. Of course. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Thanks, Jake. Remember, for all things Pelicans, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the Odyssey app, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.